Did everyone have a Bible here? Yeah. Everyone get it out if you've got it, because we're going to be reading from that. As All right, so the title of my message is called Seal the Deal. All right, so we all have a plan from God, if you know. So, and if you don't know, well, you do. Um, and no matter what comes our way or what you face in your life, you're going to, God, the plan God's got for you is never going to change and it's never going to, you're never going to get rid of it. So in Esther 8 verse 8, it says, Now go ahead and send a messenger to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever you want and seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with his signet ring can never be revoked. Now I'm just going to pray and then we'll get started. So um, dear Lord, I just pray that you can help us all just to open our hearts to you, um, help us just to hear your word and to know that you've got an amazing plan and journey ahead for all of us. All right, so now I'm just going to read that last bit, little bit of that verse again. It says, but remember that whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with his signet ring can never be revoked. So never, never get rid of. So that's a pretty big deal because when I read that, I thought that's kind of like what God does for us. You know, he, when we're born, like he's already got every day written out, like that whatever he said we can do, we can do it, that whatever he's given in our life can never be changed and it will always stay the same. Like in Psalms 139, 16, it says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So God strategically planned our life for success. He, he, to glorify him, he's done it in a certain way. He just didn't give us a life just to not have any purpose. He gave it to us for a reason. Um, but the only thing that can ever stop us from fulfilling our purpose um, is ourself, if we let the devil get to us. Now, I want to talk about two stories um, that I want to then compare later on. So the two stories, most you probably know, Jonah and the whale and Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Now I'm going to read Jonah and the whale first. So that's in Jonah 1, verse 1 to 5. So everyone get that in the, on the Bible? Okay. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm across that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their God. So when you see this, um, Jonah was sent to Nineveh so that he could preach to the people that live there to stop doing the wicked things that they did. Um, so eventually he did end up going there and pre like preaching and the town did repent. Um, but then let's just look at his response after that. So this is after then God, like um, after he went to Nineveh and preached there in Jonah 4 verse 1 to 3. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. 
So can you imagine, like, so there's a town that's like all non-believers. They're all like against Christ. And then God says to you, oh, yeah, just go over there and preach them, you know, make them repent, otherwise I'm going to destroy their city. Um, then you eventually going there and them, them all becoming, them all repenting and eventually going to Christ. And then you're like, oh, like, I didn't want you to do that, God. You know, you're, I know you, you were great, you're, you're compassionate. That's why I didn't want to go because they, like, didn't deserve your grace. So it's better that you kill me because I just converted this whole town. That's, like, what he said. It's like, if I converted a whole town, I'd be like, this is awesome. Like, uh, that's just what I'd be like. So then now in, I'm going to read the Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Um, now that's in Acts 12, verse 7 to 11. So now just to set the scene, he was like put in jail for like preaching the word of God. Um, so I'm just going to read that. So it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Then the angel told him, Peter, Peter followed him out the prison. Then they, par- they passed the first guard and then the second guard and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angels and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Now, uh, we're just gonna com- I've got three points that I want to compare these two stories with. The first one is their attitude. So, as you know, with Jonah... He, you could tell he had a pretty bad attitude from the beginning because when he was called to do it, he runs from God. God's like, go to Nineveh. And he's like, nah, I'm going this way. So he, he, one, he tries to run from his calling, which that's not a good attitude from the beginning. And after he had gone to Nineveh anyway and converted all this the whole town, he's like, he was angry and upset for, what, for God showing grace to the, town um and when I sort of see this I'm like well we all have a plan for God and God gives each and everyone a plan but we can't all do it happily like we can't we need to allow ourselves to do it like happily yet with Peter's story he wasn't negative you know he he just did it and he listened to God and was able to escape like the prison and then I was thinking like if that was me it's in the middle of the night I would be like so tired so the angel comes to him and is like, like, wake up. Like, um, we're going to escape the prison. For one, he could have been like, yeah, you know, I'm just a bit tired at the moment. Just come back in the morning. I'll be ready. Um, we can do it all then. But, like, if he did that, God knew that that timing was the perfect timing for God, where if he'd waited any longer, he wouldn't have been able to escape, like, the way he did. Another one is, in, in those days, if you tried to escape and you got caught, you could have been killed. So really... If Peter was, like, if he was, like, if he was really thinking about what could happen, he was following God when he could, like, in the chance of him getting killed. Um, but God knew that, like, 
he knew that God had a plan, even though he was risk, like dying for the plan that God had given him. And in the end, he was thankful. Like it said, he thanked God that he saved, he rescued him from Herod's clutches. So he was thankful in the beginning and thankful in the end. So, and we can bo- so we can both agree that these two scor- stories would be like terrifying, like both going to a town that b- doesn't believe and also trying to escape prison where people could like, if you get caught, you could be killed. But they both ended differently because of their outlook. One was positive and one was negative. Now I want to go um, to my second point, following God's plan, the easy way or the hard way. So Peter chose the easy way. He didn't overcomplicate it. He didn't think of anything that could go wrong. He just did it because he knew that God's plan was able to do anything, that when he had God's plan, he, he was able to fill it and escape unharmed because that's what God told him he could do. Um, but with Jonah, he didn't want to. He chose the hard way. He ran from God, which then caused a storm to happen then him to have to be chucked into the ocean to be then swallowed by a fish. So it's just like, that's a bit, he took, he didn't have to take that extra journey. He could have just gone to Nineveh and then all that didn't have to happen. But no, he had to complicate it. So, you know, you you can do things the easy way or the hard way. You can listen to God or not. You know, there's two things you can do. And when God's speaking to you, you know he's speaking to you. And there's no point trying to fight it because God's way is the ultimate way. And so now on to my third and final point, fear or faith. So Jonah in this let the devil in and he let the devil win. He, he obviously was having a battle between do I want to go or do I don't want to go? And eventually he chose the one not to go. And he let fear into the calling of God. You know, he ran because if he went to Nineveh, he could have been, um, like, people could have been persecuting him. They could be, like, judging him. There would be all these things that would be going through his mind. And in the end, he let the fear come into it. Where with Peter, he had faith in God because he knew that God would make a way no matter what. Like, he didn't care about being killed. He didn't care. He knew that if he didn't escape, he wouldn't be able to fulfill or the rest that God had for him. And when it comes to our plan, yes, sometimes it can be scary. And sometimes it will be hard um, that we feel like we won't be able to do it or it won't be easy. But God's never going to give us a plan that he knows we can't do. Like we're always going to be, if he gives us something, we're always going to be able to accomplish it because that's what God gives us. And sometimes it will be hard to believe like that God might be able to do something, but Faith is believing in something that you can't see. Um, now, and then, you, do you want to follow God's deal with a good or a bad attitude? Do you want to follow his plan the easy way or the hard way? And do you want to have faith or do you want to have fear when it comes to following your plan? So all I want to leave you with is seal the deal that God has put in front of you, that whether you know what it is or not, like, don't be fearful of what he is going to give you. Don't have a bad attitude and just know that God's plan is the right plan. And like at the beginning, you can't be revoked. If God's given you something, don't fear because it's gonna, you're going to be able to do it and you're going to be able to complicate it. 
Like, if he's giving you a deal, a plan, or a purpose, it will never change. So seal the deal. Thank you, my geek. <laughs> All right. Okay, hello. Um, if you're taking notes, my message is called Spirit of Love. So, what is love? You know what the world and what Google says? It says it's a strong feeling of affection. That's not really an answer. Um, so, the best definition you could find in the world is the one in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. Um, is that going up? Okay. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongdoings. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That is beautiful. I love that. I'll tell you another thing that God, um, that love is. God. In 1 John 4 verse 16, John sums up the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, in one word. Love. God is love. So, what is love not? If you want to know what something is, it's also good to know the opposite. What's the opposite of love? The thing that comes to mind first, usually, is hate. Uh, let's see if hate fits what it says in 1 Corinthians. Uh, could I have the 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 back up, please? Um. Um. Okay. So. Uh. Uh. No, hate is not kind. It does envy. Does dishonor others. Can be self-seeking. It's easily angered, and it does keep of. It does keep record of wrong wrongdoings. Blah. Okay. But there are some things that don't quite fit. I think hate can be patient. Some people can wait a long time before getting revenge. It's in all the movies. Um, all the, like, um, um, hate doesn't boast. In fact, quite often it's quite the opposite. Hate is secretive. A lot of people don't know they're hating people and they pass it off as passionate disliking. Um, yeah, so you can be in denial about hate. So, if it's not hate, what is the opposite of love? I believe that it's fear. Fear isn't patient. When I'm afraid, I'm, I have a very bad fear of needles. If, some, if, I, if someone comes at me with a needle, I'm not patient. I'm not going to wait. I'm already out the door before you, even, before you even register that there's a guy with a needle. Fear isn't kind. It hurts me physically. It with terrible pain all over. Um, it boasts, it displays itself. You can't not know you're afraid. Um, I know people who used to be very, very terrified of spiders um, and like you can see on their face, like you can't, you can't say that you're not scared of spiders and be shaking and 
you, you don't, it do, it, you know, you know what I mean. Okay. And yeah, fear fits a lot of the opposite of those things. Um, so, it, and when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense that fear is the opposite of love because love is God and fear is what separates us from God. Yeah. It's a fear of not being accepted, a fear of someone finding out the way you really are, insecurities about the way you look, the things you do, and your past. In fact, insecurities are one of the biggest problems in the world. And insecurity is another word for fear. Anxiety is another word for fear. The devil makes us afraid. That's where his power is. It's not in hate or something like that. In the end, he just makes us afraid. The strength he has over us is when we're afraid is, hang on. Um, whereas the strength he has over us is when we're afraid of him and the lies he tells of us. So afraid that we don't, that we believe them and we're too afraid to turn to God. But 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So these are the three most powerful things in the universe. And the greatest of these is love. God has no equal opposition. It's not fear. It's just the opposite of what he is. It's not equal to him. Love is greater. In fact, in 1 John 4 verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear, but because, because fear is to do with punishment, the one who fears is not made in perfect love. I'll tell you what, every single one of you here was made in perfect love. You were made by perfect love. God, who is the perfect embodiment of perfect love, made you. You were created fearfully, wonderfully, and perfectly designed by love itself, which means you are capable of being fearless. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. All right. Let's close our eyes and pray. I want you to imagine the next time that you're going to encounter fear, the next time you'll encounter anxiety or insecurity. It's going to happen. There will be a time. It might be at work or school. It might be at home. It might be the next time you look in a mirror. But just imagine that now. I want you to right now invite God into that situation. When you're facing fear next, when you're anxious or insecure about something, don't go in partnering with fear. Go into that situation hand in hand with love, with God. Declare to Jesus right now that when you feel fear, you're going to trust in him. Tell him, I know you love me. I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to let fear rule me because your perfect love drives out all fear.